0: hey what's up listeners and welcome to episode two of my podcast if it's not your first time here welcome back and thank you for the support because it's another day so that means here's another tangent how is quarantine treating you guys like how are you guys doing how are you guys feeling i hope you're drinking your water i hope you're keeping yourself hydrated getting sun getting some sort of exercise um speaking of two things I need to get off my chest before we get to the recap. The first one being, at the time of recording this podcast, it is Wednesday, the first of July. And this makes me feel, como se dice, scared. And I know a lot of people will be asking me, why, NJ, why are you scared about the first day of a new month? And to that, I would reply, well, the biggest predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And all of us can agree that 2020's behaviour thus far has been atrocious. In fact, one might argue each continuous month seems to be getting progressively worse. And for that reason, I'm a little bit hesitant about what's to come. (laughs) But I'm still holding on to some hope. Crossing my fingers, knocking on all the wood that July, like the halftime remix will be a much better month than literally every other month we've had this year in 2020. I mean, a girl can dream, right? And also, um, just like a PSA, like I know everybody's sick and tired of her hearing about La Rona, like literally every minute of the news imagine how tired we are right but at the same time it is not it is not going to help anyone if we become complacent right now so I think it goes without saying that we still have to be cognizant of the fact that we are still in a global pandemic and that requires some sense of hesitation and although things are going quote-unquote back to normal we still have to be cautious and if not for our own sakes then for the sakes of other vulnerable people in society to which I believe we do owe some sort of due diligence and civil goodwill if that makes any sense cool cool so the next thing that has been occupying my mind lately has been um I think I would call it the cannibalization of the youtube beauty community like it's literally cannibalizing itself once again for the umpteenth time who is surprised who is surprised so these grown adults which i like to call the unholy trinity shane dawson jeffree star and Tati westbrooks are at it again pulling no punches implicating each other in a lot of mess and for me i think the main point of concern is how have we allowed these dysfunctional human beings to go so far and and progress so well in their careers without any real ramifications for their quote-unquote and I hate saying this phrase because it's so overused but I really can't think of a more all-encompassing term to describe them problematic personalities um does all of the toxic behaviour that they've been exp- exhibiting for the last, I don't know, how however many years that they've been on YouTube, has that not been evidence enough that these people shouldn't necessarily be lauded as, like, the gods of YouTube? Like, I don't, I don't know, but I guess that's more to, like a more of a commentary on society than it is on them, that we allowed them to get that far, because if it wasn't for the people watching them, they wouldn't have had that much success. So that's like a whole nother tangent for a whole nother day. But anyway, back to this reheated one-year-old beef. Um, I, I still don't understand how people are surprised. We black women have been calling them out for ages. And I guess people are either just now waking up to the fact or they're all bored at home and they're just tuning in more to what people have literally been saying for such a long period of time. So... And also, like one fun fact that I just realized when I was thinking about this, and I feel like I'm literally the last unicorn (laughs) in like a good way, and it was completely unintentional. But I just realized I've never seen a Jeffree Star video. Like I've never seen a video of him on YouTube, I've never seen a collab that he did with other youtuber or other brand like I've completely managed to dodge that bullet and it was so funny because in last week's episode we were talking about um, the two girls one cup video and I asked like the rhetorical question like if you were a teenager growing up in that time on the internet and you managed to not see that video like what type of blood sacrifice did you have to make to not come across it and it's so funny because now I just realized that in this regard. I am one of God's favorite. <laughs> Don't ask me how it feels. It's like a whole dissertation. I can't get through it in this podcast. But you should, guys should definitely check out episode one. Just for like context. And also because it was so much fun. Um, so yeah, that's my two cents on, on the whole. The Carmageddon or Dramageddon. Like who even comes up with these names? But all I'm saying is that these people should have been been thrown in the trash all of them like I know okay like Tati is a little less problematic but it's all varying degrees of evil you know the uh, the age-old saying in the animal farm um, book all animals are equal but some are more equal than others something like that it's like a George Orwell quote well <laughs> all of these youtubers are evil but some are more evil than others and it's just like a, a sliding scale but they all should be thrown away and it should be like a reset, okay? Give, like, people like Sis Jackie, like, give her some clout. How about that? Um. Anyway, on to the topic of why you guys are all here today, the meat and potatoes of this episode. We are going to be talking about episode 2 of Don't F with Cats. Whew. Guys, last week episode last week's episode we left off on such a cliffhanger, um, it was the actual murder, a literal murder of a human being and it was so traumatizing and just before we really really get into it, I, I just have to say um, this is now my third time watching this series, the first time I watched it on my own, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to share this with my family. And then I watched it with my family. And then I had to re-watch it again for the episode notes for today's podcast. So basically, I just had to traumatize myself three times for your entertainment pleasure. So show some support to you, girl. Like, download, share, and help a girl out because I really went through the most... Having to rewatch this like several times just to give you guys the content, and you might as well help a girl out. I mean, it's only three ninety nine. So, opening scene of episode two. John is still in his room. Some in the exact same scene of last episode, watching the video that is called "One Lunatic One I Speak," and I mean. Homeboy John Green is traumatized. He says uh, there's this one quote where he says I had to keep on watching it like twenty times. And even then I still couldn't believe that what I was watching was real. So it's like so horrific, so traumatizing that the actual video itself, like you couldn't comprehend it and you couldn't make sense of it, even though your eyes were telling you that you were seeing something, but you your mind just didn't want to interpret as reality so anyway homeboy John Green and I will call him like one of the MVPs of this entire series sends this video to Deanna obviously Deanna sees it has the same reaction that any decent human being would have to seeing a murder video Um, she's completely rattled she's shook and then they go on to do obviously what they do best super sleuthing trying to figure out who made this video, where was this video made and how long it's been since this video was made and uploaded. So there's a song playing in the background of this movie showing, not a movie oh my god, this horrible killing video. There's a background song which they identify as True Faith by some popular American band and while the Anna is like listening to the music in the background, she's like, hmm, I know the song. It's quite a popular song. But why does it just like ring a bell in my psyche? And then she like puts two and two together. She's like, hey, wait on a second. Cloud Chaser actually uses the song quite often in his background mu- in, like for his background music in his online YouTube montages to himself like his fake fan accounts on youtube where he uploads montages of himself and he uses he uses that song a lot so already just by this small clue john and deanna are like completely convinced that cloud chaser the same one that's killed several kittens and cats is also the person who is behind the killing of this innocent victim in the one lunatic one ice pick video so already we know as the viewer as well, we're like, hmm, 99% sure it's probably Cloud Chaser because obviously who else would it be? And so now they they are on the hunt to figure out where this video was taken because the thing is, it's one thing to know who the person actually is, but it's another thing to actually take some action because you don't know where the video was taken. And if you don't know where the video was taken or where the act was committed, you don't have jurisdiction. You don't even know where Cloud Chaser is in this world. It's freaking calm in San Diego out here. So they go on like this manhattan once again to try to figure out where the video was taken and like this part of the series is what really enthralls me it's like how many things people can actually find out about you and about your life just from your internet profile is insane it's quite insane and like the genius minds of John and Deanna working together in like this awesome coalition is just like please sign these people up for the FBI the CIA whatever needs to be done um like honestly these people are wasted talents so well not wasted because that they are literally carrying this whole show on their backs but yeah anyway so they go on like this wild goose hunt to figure out where this video was taken and they go back to Cloud Chase's videos that he uploads online with like a lot of pictures of himself and one of the pictures that they find in one of the videos that had been the most recently uploaded like I think a month Or two ago from when the actual one I speak one lunatic video was uploaded so it was the most recent one of the actual pictures really stands out to him to them it's a picture of cloud chaser standing in front of steps and in the background is like you know like the city and then the steps and architecture or whatever and look at this guys to actually figure out like a time frame Deanna like zeroes in on a tree in the background and she can tell from the foliage on the leaves and on the tree like wherever this picture was taken that specific place was actually entering into spring she could tell just from looking at the foliage on the tree and on top of that another like weirdly odd thing that they zeroed in on was the street lamps they're like hang on a second the original street lamps when we found and this goes back to episode one um in etabakou that was in toronto those street lights were different to the street lights that we see in this picture of, of him in this youtube video so then they go google different street lights in canada and it's amazing that canadians have different like street lights designs for different um provinces or i don't know if you call them provinces or states but like the street lights are different and specifically Montreal, has very specific black streetlights and easily identifiable. So just from that little pieces of clues alone, they end up putting two and two together and like, hmm, this dude is probably in Montreal. So guess what they do? They go to once like, okay, maybe I should say there's three MVPs of this episode. The first one is Deanna, the second one is John and the third one is Google Maps Street Views and that is not in any order of importance honestly. So they go, so John and Deanna go back on Google Street Map, Google Maps Street View and they go down every single street of Montreal. Like I've never been to Canada, definitely never been to Montreal before. Don't know how big it is, but I can only imagine the time-consuming energy exertion it takes to go down every single street of an area, even if it's a small town or whatever. Like It just must be so crazy that they did all of that and they eventually find the exact steps that Cloud Chaser was sitting on, standing next to, sorry, in the picture he uploaded on YouTube, and that actually turns out to be a university in Montreal, and they're like, look, we don't know a lot of things, but what we do know is that about approximately two months prior to the uploading of the murder video called One Lunatic, One Ice Pick, Cloud Chaser was in Montreal, and so they find jurisdiction. How interesting was that? How interesting was that? Anyway, in the meantime, in Montreal, what ends up happening is a janitor who works at this apartment building complex, you know, he's doing his janitorial duties, I suppose, going to the back, taking out the trash, whatever that may be. He comes across this odd looking old travel suitcase and he just sees like what he describes as like maggots coming out of the suitcase and like a horrendous smell so (laughs) this janitor was not playing any games he wasted no honey he wasted no time honey he was like Hugo tell the police so he calls the police And this is where we're introduced to Detective Claudette. She's a Montreal detective and just keep that in mind. So Detective Claudette comes with other police and detective friends and then they, you know, they do what police do. They set up the red tape and they investigate the case. So they open the suitcase and inside the suitcase they find a white male torso no head no arms no legs just the torso and on top of that the torso had been punctured several times like several puncture wounds in the torso so already the viewers know that okay clearly this is the body of the person that cloud chaser killed in this video one lunatic when i speak obviously this has to be the victim But does Detective Claudette know that? No. Does she care to investigate further? No. All she does is that she sees the body. She's like, hmm, okay. Then they go through the trash and they find more things inside of the trash. There's obviously a lot of blood. It's just it's horrific, guys. It's like I'm going like I'm re-reliving, watching it again, and I'm just getting like re-traumatized all over again. So she goes through the trash, she finds other things, she finds a dead puppy, a dead black and white puppy in the trash bags opposite where the suitcase was found. Um she finds old an old blanket that is soaking in blood she finds a poster of a movie called Casablanca she finds um, identity documents such as a driver's license and a pharmacy um, a receipt from a pharmacy she finds all of the, that information and also in one of those identity documents it also tells the apartment of which the supposed victim lived Because what Detective Claudette thinks is that the identity documents which she found, which happens to be the identity documents of Cloud Chaser, which obviously he left there on purpose because he wanted to be found, but she makes mistakes for those documents actually being the documents of the victim. So she thinks that the person who was actually killed is Cloud Chaser. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, please, please, please don't let this go where I think it's going. So she's like, oh, my God, this guy, um, Cloud Chaser, is the victim. Because I'm assuming that the victim's body was, like, very pale. So they just took him for a white male because all they had was the torso. there, There was no face. So they're like, okay, white male, identity documents. Clearly, the dead body is the same as it matches the identity documents. So the so we have a victim assuming that Cloud Chaser is dead and now they're trying to look for whoever perpetrated this crime. That's like a whole other tangent that I can go on but moving on for the sake of brevity. Like I said, the other documents that they found in the trash indicated like identity and also apartment, apartment that the supposed victim lived in and that is apartment two in one of the apartment buildings close to where the, the trash is found okay so then she sends some of the police to apartment 208 to go investigate and they didn't have a warrant so all they went to go do was just investigate the apartment and the police were like something feels weird this apartment smells like bleach and cleaning detergent and that's like heavily suspicious like what were you trying to clean what smells were you trying to cover up they just came back and they were like we didn't really have a warrant to check the place everything seems to be in order like visually there's nothing out of place there's no blood on the walls or anything like that but one of the police officers said that it smelled weird and it felt weird just being in there and so we cut to the next scene and we introduced to detective antonio We are then introduced to Detective Sergeant Antonio Paradiso and I really feel like he's one of the only competent police officials in this whole entire series. And so he gets put on the case and then he goes to investigate the security camera footage of the building that they find in apartment 208. So he goes to investigate the security footage of apartment 208 which is happens to be the same video on building where they find the dead torso around okay so they were the, the alley the building alley of where they found the dead torso is the same building slash apartment 208 and also the same one that detective sergeant Antonio Paradiso goes to investigate and he's looking at the security camera footage and then he finds one individual putting things in the trash at 2 30 in the morning and this individual is wearing a yellow t-shirt and it's made pretty clear to the audience at this point that obviously it's his cloud chaser, but the detective doesn't know that. So he's like, "Hmm, so suspicious. Why would someone randomly be taking out the trash at 2:30 in the morning?" And the gag is it wasn't even once because if it was a normal person, maybe you could explain it away and be like, "Oh, maybe they just spilled something. I don't know. Like what? What? What a random?" Suspense of disbelief excuse that you could use. But it would just seem a lot more feasible if it was just one trip. But this guy, as shown in the security footage at like 2.30 in the morning, made several trips to the trash to throw away um, garbage. And that's completely unusual. So obviously he caught the attention of the detective on the security cameras. Um, And so... The scene goes back to Detective Claudette. So honey, Detective Claudette is finding other things in the trash. She's finding screwdrivers that are modified to look like an ice pick. How ironic because the murder video was called One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. Um, She finds a knife. She finds legs. So the legs of the person is found in the other trash bags but no arms and no feet so this body was hacked like dismembered Ah, so sickening so sickening and then but she doesn't find a head she finds no hands no feet and no head and then the very next day two packages are delivered to canadian to a canadian conservative party One of them is a left foot wrapped in pink silk and in the package they find a poem it says direct quote, this is verbatim Roses are red violets are blue Police will need a dental file to identify you bitch (sighs) So obviously Cloud Chaser wrote that note that tacky it's not even it's not even clever it's not even smart it's not even it's just childish like the anyway so obviously he wrote that note and he decided hmm how can i get more attention maybe i can like actually mail body parts to canadian political parties so that i can get large mainstream media to cover my case because obviously i was so attention deprived as a child now i'm manifesting it in psychotic ways as an adult I don't know so by this point the news gets back to the moldy facebook crew of deanna and john green and they find like oh my goodness they actually found the body the person that we saw on the video being killed they actually found a body so and they found the body in montreal so our investigation was correct like we were on the money with this thing and had the montreal police just listen to us because we tried to contact him obviously deanna and john gray tried to contact the montreal police obviously they contacted the toronto police trying to give them all the information be like listen we have a suspected killer in your jurisdiction we have all the receipts do something please before he does this to someone else but did the police want to listen no did they even get back into contact with him no but imagine how tired we are Hmm. <laughs> and you guys want to know why I call police in general use this like so anyway um Deanna is like having to have this like weird existential crisis because she's like obviously this is like a major can- attention grab like mailing things to politicians and she she kind of sort of blames herself for feeding into his ego and making him creating the monster that he's become. She feels like if they hadn't to be so gung-ho about finding him for the kitten killings, that he wouldn't have gone to the next step of actually killing a human being. And she kind of blames herself and wants to distance herself from this whole investigation. Because I feel like things had just gotten too out of hand for her at this point. And also they were like really afraid because something I failed to mention in the last episode is that Cloud Chaser actually doxxed her. He uploaded a video of her workplace with her in the workplace to one of the Facebook videos, that, one of the Facebook groups that they were on, and he basically made like some sort of threat towards Deanna. She's like, oh my gosh, he knows where I live. He knows my workplace. This is actually creepy now. So understandably, Deanna's like, maybe I should just give this up, like maybe I'm not like some sort of vigilante detective, like maybe I should just quit while I'm ahead, um, let the other people take the reins on this one and she kind of distanced herself from the Facebook group and it's really sad to watch because it, at a certain point she does kind of have a point that we do feed into his ego by continuously wanting to um, figure out what he's doing, it's, it's kind of like a case... Well, I think in his mind it was probably like a case of cat and mouse, but at the same time, I also feel like he would have done it anyway. Whether she was a specific person in it or not, he would have done it anyway. And I feel like the work that she was doing was for the good of the case, so she can't blame herself too much for that. So, anyway. Uh, back to detective Antonio and he's dispatched to a post office in Montreal from where the package was sent so basically now this whole case is getting like so much media scrutiny so the police are really like (laughs) the public's foot is on their neck to figure out who this person is because obviously it's a horrific case that happened in Montreal and I'm not sure about the crime stats in Montreal but like I would assume that things like this don't happen quite often especially not as gruesome So, Detective Antonio is working double time, honey. And so he immediately gets dispatched to a post office in Montreal to figure out where the package came from. And they find out that it actually came from a um, pharmacy, I guess, in, in Montreal. In Canada, they have, like, post offices and pharmacies in the same place. So it came from a pharmacy. And so then he goes to this pharmacy He goes to the the CCT footage of this pharmacy. And lo and behold, who does he find? Who does he find? Who does he find? Obviously he finds Cloud Chaser. Like what do you expect? I mean this man was dying to be found. He did everything so in like so in in the open. Like he wanted to be found. He was he was probably sitting at home rejoicing in all of this attention when it was coming to him. And so, one interesting fact that Detective Antonio does find out is that, actually, Cloud Chaser actually sent more than one package on that specific day. And you can see in the CCTV footage, he's holding two packages. And then on the very next day, we found out that, guess what, it wasn't only the Conservative Party... That was lucky enough to get a postage from Cloud Chaser. It was also the Liberal Party in Canada, and guess who pops up on the screen, guys? I was like so It It's like at that time he wasn't like the Prime Minister, but it's current the current Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, and I'm like, oh my god! So I saw his face pop up, and I was like. this is so weird to see him in this documentary and he's just talking and saying like i don't know why anyone would think um it would be an appropriate thing to sing the liberal party like a, a right hand or of a dead body like like what did we ever do to the service and i'm like excuse me cloud chaser you you better leave justin alone that's like leave, leave Justin alone that's like where I drew the line I mean obviously I've drawn the line long ago but you guys know what I mean so anyway he sends a package to the Canadian Liberal Party and soon after the police finally have officially identified Cece as the main culprit like finally they put 20 together they're like <laughs> This dead torso of this body, it's not actually the victim, it's the actual culprit. So, they finally identify him as the male culprit, they go to the news, they put his name out there, they're like, we're looking for this man who is the main suspect in this murder case, and they put his face up there, and then the scene cuts to his mother, and I'm just like... (sighs) whatever delusion juice this boy was drinking he clearly got it from his mama because his mother is just as or if not more delusional than he is which really it's like surpassing any barometer that i thought that could be out there so obviously the police come to a home they're like we suspect that your child is a murder suspect and she's like oh my son he wouldn't never do that he wouldn't he would never he would never kill someone and like um okay so obviously you would say that you his mother like you have to have some sort of doubt that your child is evil which is like yeah I know everybody was like harassing him on on the internet about his cat killing videos but I know the real truth and I know why he really did that he was forced to do that there was some sort of other nefarious person forcing him to do that and like I can't believe these internet people were harassing him and looking at street signs and and poles and trees to try to figure out where he lived are making his life um miserable and I'm just like lady please please just shut up like I know he's your son but to what point do you not recognize that he's actually psychotic like honestly anyway that was just a whole mess for me obviously she's the one who raised him so what more do we expect it's like Obviously, that's his mother. You just take a look at it. Take one glance at her. Obviously, that's a mother. Clearly, this is a woman that's never raised a hand to discipline him in her life. That's given him probably everything he ever wanted. Never said no to him. And then created this psychotic megalomaniac that we have on our hands today. So, I don't know what I expected. Like, really, it's just an L for myself. Because I shouldn't have expected anything else anyway. So... Uh, back to Detective Claudette. Detective Claudette is then made aware of the actual video circulating on the dark web, on the internet, of the actual killing. And she watches the video. She's traumatized. She can't get through the, act of the entire video because it's too traumatizing for her, but just the few snippets of the video that she watches she identifies that the actual apartment and everything that she found in the trash is like everything that is seen in the video so she's like 100% sure that this is the actual video of the murder that she's investigating so she is and I was like oh my gosh aren't you like a homicide detective Like, don't you see this type of thing all the time? Like, I was really taken aback by her intense emotional reaction to the video. And that just made me realise. Because in the documentary, you don't actually see the full video and the full killing. But the description is so horrific. And I'm sure it must have been equally, if not more, traumatising to actually watch the full entire video. So that just solidified how graphic it actually was and yeah i'm not gonna go in depth describing it because i just think it's just it's too it's too traumatic so anyway Claudette finally find her well her, her team members find the video and show it to her she watches it she has that visceral reaction to it um she starts crying uh and then we go back to the next scene back to detective Antonio who is looking through CC's, cc video and they find videos of cloud chaser and his victim entering the video they identify okay so basically he goes through the videos once again and they now identify the victim as being an asian man known as jun lin okay so jun lin was an exchange student from china he was also a homosexual and one of his best friends tells us that one of the main reasons that he left China to come to Canada because of his, it was because of his homosexuality, because he felt like Canada was more liberal and accepting of the way he was as opposed to China, which is probably more anti-gay and 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 homophobic. And he came to study, of course, but also just live out his life. Um in a sort of safe, safe space that he probably presumed Canada to be and I just want us to take like a few seconds because one of the things I do criticize the um, documentary on is that they don't really take enough time to really delve into the life of Junnan other than his murder or really pay homage and respects to Jun Lin, which we have to remind ourselves as entertaining as this docuseries was and as for lack of a better word as sexy as the editing was this was actually a life that was lost a family lost their only son and from my understanding in Chinese culture sons are really held up to a high esteem and oftentimes there's only one child in the family and to lose your son is almost like to fracture the entire family and also to in such a I can't imagine in such a gruesome, horrific manner. So I personally just want to take a moment of silence to honor the memory of Jun Lin and just take into account the actual gravity of the situation. So... So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's really horrific. And now Diana, after taking a long break, is convinced by John and other members of the group to get back on the case because one of the key things that the police can't seem to figure out and everyone else can't seem to figure out is how Cloud Chaser actually got into contact with Jun Lin and how he actually lured him in to commit this horrific crime and so you know our 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 crew goes to doing what they do best and they try to track down the the way that cloud chaser actually got hold of a puppy is very interesting so they knew that he must have gotten the puppy from somewhere and then And they knew you obviously also had to get it very quick. So they went to go scour this website called Craigslist for any advertisements that anyone would have posted for a puppy. And then on such minor details, such as spelling, errors, typing, like language placement, they literally find the exact ad that Cloudchester posted on Craigslist looking for a puppy. Like the way he would speak in his old post, they would go like, and by the way, girl, if you look at John's laptop and Deanna's laptop, they literally have individualized folders of every single, um like, written statement that Cloud Chaser has made. Like, literally everything about him, they have, like, organized folders. And they go into the Cloud Chaser folder where he's writing and making spelling errors and all of those stuff. And they start matching it to the ad- advertisement on Craigslist at that specific time around about the time the murder was done, and they find him, they find the advertisement, they find the way he, he bought the puppy, and they're like, cool, so if he did this to, to get the puppy, probably did it to get the guy as well, right, like, it's not an uncommon thing, I guess, in that time as well, for people to hook up, um, finding online hookups online, so, they do the same thing that they did. They look for keywords, key phrases, key spelling mistakes, and then they look up for certain advertisements looking for hookups in that area at that specific time and they find his advertisement. Talented, brilliant, incredible, amazing, show stopping, spectacular. And I'm just like, these people have big brain energy, big brain energy. They find his advertisement. He uses language like sexy guy and like, oh my gosh, like, Cloud Chaser is on another level of cringe, like another level of cringe. So basically, from that investigation that they did, they figure out how he 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 found the victim, it was through Craigslist, how he lured the victim to his apartment, and obviously the video is evidence of what happened after that. Um, further investigation, Detective Claudette finds like um, sedatives in the trash can, so we can we can assume that um Jun Lin was probably sedated. That's how he was able to be tied up to the bed in that manner. And then they also find cups of and, and cups and all of that stuff in the trash, and then one of the cups that Jun Lin had used probably that night, they take the DNA evidence from that cup, they go to Jun Lin's apartment, they get hair and DNA evidence from his toothbrush and from his hairbrush and they match the DNA so now they're hundred percent sure that Jun was the actual victim and they notify friends and family all that stuff it's quite terrific but now they know the when they know the how but they don't know where Cloud Chaser is and they go on this once again another manhunt to find out who he is And I think it was John that goes back to the original One Lunatic, One I Speak video. And he goes to look at it. And he sees the poster once again. It's like very oddly placed in the video. It's almost as if it wanted to be on display. And he goes to Casablanca and he's thinking, like someone tells him, like, you know, the opening scene in the movie Casablanca is that they're talking about going to Paris to France and then they put two into together and now they are on a manhunt to find Cloud Chaser and they're almost certain that Cloud Chaser has gone international and taken his debauchery to France. And so that is the cliffhanger we are left on. Will they catch him on time before he gets to France? What's going to happen in the next episode? Will they catch him at all? All this and more is to be discovered on next week's episode. And honey, whew, I must say one thing that these editors do know is how to keep you hooked and I don't know this episode was just a lot to take but we've come to an end that's all for today's episode guys once again if you liked it please share give it a like follow this podcast will be available at all places where podcasts are found eventually (laughs) and once again guys be sweet and stay safe bye